The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's Tuesday, November 10th, 7.05. And on behalf of the EOT team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Mirtha Donastorg. Tonight, Ian brings us an interview with Emil Mathluthi, a Tunisian singer-songwriter known as the voice of the Tunisian Revolution, which sparked the Arab Spring. Nick Weaver brings you the Modest Mouse Review. This week, he reviews the album Becky and Debbie by Shark. And Jake Winters brings you the Snowverated. This week he reviews the film Bronson, based on a true story. And as always, Saif Hassan has the news beyond the headlines, and Peter Svizeni has the community calendar. I was able to speak with Emil Mathluthi, the voice of the Tunisian Revolution, with her songs Poor Tunisia and My World is Free, which became the anthems of the Tunisian Revolution. The Tunisian Revolution sparked the Arab Spring, which toppled dictatorships around Africa and the Middle East? Um, <laughs> I have many musical influences. Uh, I think it's very, very important to keep listening to a lot of different things and old things, new things, to always, you know, be curious and be searching around. And it's not very easy to do. In general, I had a huge... Uh, rock and metal phase in my life that I think was really important. I also listened to a lot of classical, European classical music when I was a child, and I think that also is somehow present in my music today. And then in my 20s, I went through um, a very enriching contest songs and songwriters from the 60s and the 70s uh, and also in general the psychedelic rock and folk music and then I started getting interested by everything that is hybrid everything that is mixed with electronic and tree pop and you know and now nowadays I just need some things that like really get my ears curious and that really take me to uh, different directions that I wasn't expecting because usually it's it's music doesn't really draw your curiosity anymore and so I I always want to be I always want to keep having like pulsions well what what was the first song that you've ever written well that song is uh, is is going to be on the new album. <laughs> uh, it might sound a little bizarre, especially for the people who know the song, but 
It's called Chayef, and it's the first song that I wrote um, based on, um, on the story of one of my best friends about how you can feel trapped inside yourself and how you can't really communicate with the outside because the outside is so, is so empty. The society, you have like the impression that people don't really feel, don't really have feelings and uh, you can't really talk about yourself. You can't really write. You can, like, you're as if you were in a prison, but the prison actually is everywhere. So it's a little bit about the society, and it's also a little bit political. It was my first kind of political song uh, denouncing um, the outside prison that we were living in. And how old were you when you wrote that song? I was um, 22 years old. And so what is your favorite song? If you have a favorite, you can say. <laughs> yeah, I do have favorite. Uh, <laughs> um, my, I think my favorite song is called Hudu'un because I keep on playing it. And I think that when you keep on playing a song for that many years, I mean, I, I'm playing the song since uh, like maybe seven or eight years. And I'm somebody who really wants, uh, who really likes change. I don't like performing. I almost don't like performing the same thing out of two or three concerts in a row. But this song, every time I sing it, I have a new, I have new emotions. I have a new way of singing it. You're going to be performing tonight at the Stewart Theater. For those who don't know anything about uh, Tunisia and your songs about Tunisia, what would you like them to know? I think it's a very interesting country because people are very open. We have a big part of uh, Tunisia that is on the Mediterranean Sea. And because of that, we are very enriched and we have a lot of, we have a lot of mix uh, in our blood, in our language, in our culture. And that is what's uh, making Tunisia special. People speak many languages. It's very easy for people. You know, I, sometimes I think like Tunisians are like chameleons, chameleons and could be comfortable in many different situations. We can change and, and we, like, we like it. And we're very creative. I actually never sang in Arabic uh, until I really started like performing and, and being like a... A full-time performer so I was um, in a in a circle we were we were listening to music from all over the world and we like to be inspired and mixing uh, different kinds of arts and creating new uh, means of expression so maybe that's a small interesting description about Tunisia and so you mentioned that you think uh, they're kind of like chameleons uh, You're adaptable. Do you think that's helped you living in Paris and now in the United States? Yeah, we're very adaptable. We're definitely very adaptable. And uh, it definitely helped me. And of course, I wanted to, I wanted to leave Tunisia. I was, I was really, I couldn't breathe anymore. And I needed a change. And so that, that's helped me adapt to anywhere <laughs> but um, I, I think that what's um, what makes me 
the more Tunisian is how I stayed connected to my country and my culture, but in all, and at the same time being super connected to where I was. And so uh, you've been living in the United States now uh, in New York City. Um, how long have you been living there? Uh, one year and a half. Have you noticed a lot of differences between the United States and Tunisia? Oh, yes. Well, actually, what's interesting is that the United States itself is very different. Uh, in each part you go, you you find different different uh, landscapes and different people. And and I, I really, really like that. Uh, you never get bored. You're always attracted to something. I mean, at least for me, who who just arrived here. And sometimes I find similarities. Like, for example, in New York, I live in Harlem, and in Harlem, people are very warm, and they they, they ask you how you how you are, and they say hello. And uh, we have that in Tunisia. And I didn't really remember that from Paris, for example. I went to New Mexico, and I found some of the same trees and flowers that we used to have in our backyard so i think i think uh, i think the 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 world is is you can always find ways to connect to where you're coming from and that's what's um interesting and 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 that's why i like people and i like traveling how did it feel for your songs to become the anthem of the tunisian revolution um, I think I was happy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's the anthem, but it definitely traveled much, much, much further than I was expecting, and that I've always and I've uh, than I've ever imagined, and that I was really proud and just very exciting to uh, to be able to touch that many people from from that many different places and. To help people um, dream and start making changes themselves in where where they were living, and I think that's what what what, what is beautiful about music. Is there another song that you think of, either yours or someone else's, that evokes a, a similar sentiment? I think many songs that are not necessarily coming from the same the same time uh, and I think what gave birth to the music I was doing back uh, back in the days before the revolution is because I I listened to uh, all these people like uh, John Bayes and John Lennon and Pink Floyd and Bob Dylan and Sheikh Imam from Egypt and Marcel Khalifa from Lebanon all these people who were writing songs about things that really believed in. I think their songs are, 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 are eternal. I hope that people will, will keep on listening to, to, to these uh, artists because they've been through tough things and, and they created some very, they created monuments of, of, um, of music that is a witness and that, it would, that would stay forever with us and I think it helped many other people than me and could easily represent all these movements you mentioned your new album earlier can you talk more about that tonight we're going to perform a lot from the new album that is going to come out I hope in the spring 2016 
The new album is really about this huge trip that I had searching for for what I wanted to create uh, and that I could call my second album. And the trip t took me through France to Stockholm to Iceland to finally come back to one of my friends from home and we created it in New York. So I really find that very interesting because I have a, a group of small workshops and I ended up uh, creating most of the album with uh, my friend from home. So it's a lot of uh, Tunisia connected to Sweden, connected to Iceland, connected to my new home in New York. And I don't know many albums being done that way. And I'm really looking forward to release it. I'm really looking forward to hearing it as well. I'm Ian Grice with Eye on the Triangle, and I was just speaking with Emil Mathluthi, the voice of the Tunisian Revolution. I'm Saif Hassan, and this is your News Beyond the Headlines. Government forces have broken a siege by the Islamic State of an airbase in northern Syria, according to state media. Army units had made contact with troops defending the airbase east of Aleppo and eliminated large numbers of militants, the Sana News Agency said. The facility had been under attack by the jihadists for nearly two years. Meanwhile, at least 22 people were killed and many more wounded by rebel shellfire in the Mediterranean city of Latakia, state media and activists say. The blasts hit two separate areas of the city. With many of the wounded in serious condition, the death toll is expected to rise. Latakia, which lies in the heartland of President Bashar al-Assad's sect, has largely escaped the conflict that has devastated most of Syria and killed more than 250,000 people. Syrian government forces were holed up inside the airbase and received from the Islamic State while pro-government forces tried to reach them with air support from Russia. The successful assault on the base comes a week after the Syrian army battled Islamic State to regain control of a road southeast of Aleppo and took back the control of the government's only route into the city. Areas around Aleppo have seen weeks of heavy fighting after Syrian troops, backed by Lebanese and Iranian fighters, launched an offensive to retake surrounding territory from rebels and jihadist fighters. The regime offensive has so far focused on clearing rebel-held areas south of Aleppo rather than targeting the city itself. The mayor of Concepcion, an Argentine town in the northern Tucumán province, says he is trapped in the town hall. Mayor Roberto Sanchez said the building was surrounded on Monday night by demonstrators who burned tires. Mr. Sanchez says the demonstrators are angry because he has refused to honor the contracts of hundreds of workers hired by his predecessor. Mayor Sanchez says his predecessor needlessly inflated the number of municipal workers. He says almost 500 people were hired by the city authorities just days before the previous mayor's mandate ended. Mr. Sanchez of the Conviemos party took office on October 31st, replacing Osvaldo Morelli of the Judicialist Party. He said that he decided to keep only those municipal workers who he thought were doing genuine work. Many work only one day and get paid for the whole month, he said of whose contracts he refused to honor. This town works well with the 650 workers it has already had, and many of those hired by the previous administration have never worked in the town before, he said, accusing his predecessor of handing out jobs to his political allies. Even before Mr. Sanchez took office, unidentified assailants exploded a stun grenade outside his home in Concepcion. Tension has been running high in Tucumán since August, when the province saw a number of mass protests after demonstrators alleged that there had been irregularities during the election of governor. I'm Saif Hassan, and this has been your News Beyond the Headlines.
Hello, this is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snowverated, and this week I will be taking a look at Bronson. Bronson is about a man, Michael Peterson, played by Tom Hardy, who goes by the name of Charlie Bronson in his head, as it is his alter ego. The movie follows him through his troubles inside the prison system of Great Britain and focus on the psychological impacts that living in solitary confinement for 30 years has on a man. This movie is based on a true story. Bronson is, to say the least, an interesting film. The first thing that comes to mind when trying to find another movie to compare this one to is a Wes Anderson film, but is far from one. The one thing that did make me think of Wes Anderson when I was watching it was the style of the filming. It uses symmetry and repeated shots throughout, which is a staple to many of Wes Anderson's films. The story of the film is disjointed. Bronson is moving around from prison to prison, and sometimes he's out of prison, and sometimes he's in. It is never explicitly said that Bronson is actually making up all of these stories in his head, but it becomes very obvious due to the nature of many of the scenes. I like seeing these stories for a time, but as the movie goes on, they get old as there's no order and it seems like it's just disjointed tales. He's in and out of prison, doing different odd jobs, getting married, getting in fights, and trying to make a name for himself. If the stories had been a little less odd, it may have been more relatable as a story, but I feel the intent of this movie was to give a look into how solitary confinement affects people. The stories are of his ideal life, and just of struggles he could have had. He doesn't imagine perfect situations, though. He can't find someone who will love him in many of his stories, and he isn't living gloriously. It could be thought of as a representation of his life through his eyes as he began to lose his mind. In Bronson, there's an overload of symbolism. You can take that as good or you can take that as bad, but in this case I'd say it was a little bit of overkill. The symbols come right out in front of your face and they obscured any actual story that could have existed. And what I mean by this is that I feel the director spent too much time trying to send a message with his metaphors and symbols and not enough time making an interesting scenes that made clear statements about the insanity of an inmate living in solitary confinement. I'd say this film is good to watch if you're hoping to dissect a film. It provides ample opportunity to try and dig meaning out of the shots it provides. I find this to be something that a movie should leave as an option, though. The movie should be able to exist without its symbolism. In other words, the symbolism that lies within its movie should only serve to amplify the ideas that it's trying to present. Bronson is not a movie I would recommend watching if you can't handle graphic content. Bronson is in a battered state for almost the entire film, and nudity becomes a norm throughout. I think this use of harsh material serves its purpose very well throughout the film. It shows what prison life can be like for misbehaved inmates, and while the way they treat him is only reciprocation of the way he treats them, it is brutal. The movie feels like a distorted and more graphic version of One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. It shows a man on the outside who is discontent with his life and is constantly seeking attention, and he ends up in an insane asylum for acting out, exactly like in One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. It sends far different message, though, about the institution. He's not in an insane asylum for the whole time, like in One Flew's Cuckoo's Nest, but when he does actually end up in an insane asylum, it is very similar to it. Overall, I'd say Bronson is more of an intellectual movie than an entertainment movie. It is like abstract art compared to realism. It does what it intended to well, but I did not find it very entertaining. It didn't grip me or give me any emotional response besides repulsion at points, but if I were to go back and try to write an essay describing even just one scene from the whole movie, I don't think there would be a shortage of material available to me to analyze. If this movie really were going to be considered entertaining, it would have to shift its focus slightly more towards the story. The story just seems to drift along with no real conflict within. 
The conflict could be said to be Bronson against the institution, but he has no goal, so it is more of an internal struggle. I felt the film overemphasized violence. In almost every scene, and certainly every other scene, Bronson is physically hurting someone or is being physically hurt. It is filler content, and it gets very old very fast. The redeeming side of this is that it is proving a point of the excessive violence that pervades in a criminally insane person's mind. The film proves its point, but it goes on to prove it continuously, as though it had run out of ideas. You can rent this movie online on iTunes, Amazon Prime, or Flixer for about $5. Thank you for tuning into this week's movie review. Feel free to send any suggestions or comments to the email address publicaffairs at wknc.org. I'm always glad to hear feedback and opinions. Thank you for tuning into Snowverated. This is Jake Winters for I and the Triangle. Have a good night. Hello and welcome once again to the Modest Mouth Review with me, Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle. This week I'll be reviewing the Becky and Debbie EP by Shark. That's Shark with a question mark. Not that it makes a difference to the Google search because God forbid we include the one distinguishing aspect of that term in the search engine. No, I have to get 220 links to random facts about sharks that may or may not be completely accurate. I digress. This EP is actually much more in line with my usual genre type for this show, as it's a garage rock lo-fi kind of band. So who are Shark? Is what I'm sure you're all asking right now. And if you're not, well, I'm going to tell you anyways. Shark is a surf-slash-garage-rock lo-fi band from the California area. At least, I think they're from California. To be honest, what little I know about them comes from their music and from the fact that they were on the GTA 5 soundtrack along with Waves, where I first heard of them. The song on that soundtrack is California Girls, by the way. As you can see, I've done my research for this one. They seem to have had only three albums and a few scattered EPs, with this one being their latest. It's a bit old, actually. The Becky and Debbie EP really just came out April this year, but I was in a crunch for time and I wanted to get back to my usual stylings for this review, so Shark? It is. Or was. Whatever. At any rate, that's about the extent of my knowledge for this band. There's very little information about them online, and despite their presence on the GTA soundtrack, it would be a stretch to say they're not practically obscure. They've not reached anywhere near the popularity of Waves, which is saying something because Waves themselves aren't all that popular. Poor Shark. You know you haven't made it anywhere near big yet when you're three albums in and you still haven't got a Wikipedia page yet. But you know, after listening to this EP, I'm not totally surprised. While it has character, this EP is really nothing new. I'll preface what I'm about to say with the information that I've never listened to anything by them besides their single, California Girls, which I've probably heard close to a thousand times whilst playing GTA V. Over. And over. And over. And over. And over again. Always playing on Vinewood Boulevard Radio. Ugh. Surprisingly, I don't actually hate the song. Though, Fire Doesn't Burn Itself by Sam Flax actually makes me want to punch a hole inside the wall every time I hear it. Anyways, this EP is nothing special, like I said. The first song is very similar to California Girls, which is not good because that song was two albums ago. The guitar is intentionally sloppy, which is fine, but like I said, it's been done. In fact, it's been done to death within this genre alone. The beat relies pretty much solely on the bass drum, with some very simple fills and other patterns. Lyrics about nothing, edgy grunge sound, pointlessly shrill guitar breaks, there you have it. Rinse and repeat from the next five songs. There's only six total on the EP, and this song has essentially everything you need to hear. As is common with a lot of lower tier lo-fi bands, this whole EP sounds like it was literally recorded in a garage. And while that's not usually great, 
It's basically the only thing this album's got going for it. Aside from some Pixies-esque studio chatter, which comes off as pretty charming and gives the EP a fair amount of character and joviality. Really, this EP is short enough that I could review every song individually and still have time to spare, but what's the point? I'd just be saying the same thing for every single song. Alright, maybe that's a little harsh, but you get my point. This EP is nothing new and nothing particularly exciting. There's some pretty nice guitar going on in the song Cool Enough, and to its credit, the EP does its job of creating an atmosphere and consistent sound. Maybe overly consistent, but consistent nonetheless. It's pretty good surf rock, all things considered, and, as chill stoner rock, it does its job. It's not bad as background music, and if you need something to even out your Spotify playlist, then this EP is probably gold to you. But if you're looking for something innovative, something interesting and unique, something that you can close your eyes and just experience, you won't find it here. The last song on the album is a cover of Pictures of Matchstick Men, but slowed down and grungier to the point that it sounds almost nothing like the original and everything like the other songs on the EP, which I feel is a perfect micro-summary of the whole thing. For my final rating on a scale of negative 2 to 7, I give this EP a 1. It's just below average, but it's not quite bad. Sorry, Shark, but you're gonna have to do a bit more to impress me. Once again, this is the Becky and Debbie EP by Shark, with a question mark. If you're really interested in this EP, you can find it on Sharks, Bandcamp, and probably Spotify. As for me, I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Lens, Meerkat, Klesk, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. As always, you can send in review requests by emailing publicaffairs at wknc.org and including review request in the subject line. I'll get around to it as soon as I can. That's all for today. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. Good evening to you listeners out there. I'm Peter Swazeni, bringing you this week's community calendar, an Eye on the Triangle segment informing you of cool events occurring on campus or around the Raleigh-Durham area. Since the month of November is the Native American Heritage Month, I'm going to focus this week's community calendar on a handful of events that pertain to celebrating Native American culture and heritage. I do have some other events that are 5K fundraisers, others are dance concerts, and a few political forums and lecturers. So first up, we have the NCSU Veterans Day Run this Wednesday from 5.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. That's right. It's rather early in the morning. The NCSU ROTC will host this event, which takes place on campus and starts at the Memorial Bell Tower. In the past, NC State athletic teams have participated in these events. Administrators, faculty, students, and the local population are invited to participate in the event. All participants are blended together in a military-style formation to run together. This is done in an effort to celebrate military service of surviving war veterans and military members who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our nation's defense. A ceremony will occur at the bell tower after the completion of the run. Students, faculty, and staff are encouraged to participate, and again, the run is at the bell tower at 5.45 a.m. Wednesday morning. So later on that day, from noon to two in the brickyard, there will be the Native American Heritage Month's Veteran Day commemoration. So come out to the brickyard to honor and commemorate our Native and non-Native veterans to learn more about their history. The Abe Holtzman Public Policy Forum titled Gerrymandering in North Carolina will be this Wednesday from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Here you may learn from political scientists, demographers, and your elected officials about the politics and prospects of gerrymandering reform during this Abe Holtzman Public Policy Forum. 
Speakers include Republican Paul Stam, Republican Greer Martin, and the NC State political science professors Andrew Taylor and Mark Nance, Cedar Grove of Sustainable Communities Vice President Alan Parnell, and Catawba College Provost and political science professor Michael Bitzer. A reception will be held after this event. Again, this will be in Codwell Lounge, Wednesday, November 11th, from 5.30 to 8. The NC State Dance Program Fall Concert will be held on Wednesday and Thursday, November 12th, at 8 p.m. in the Stewart Theater. The concert will feature student choreography and both of the dance program student companies, the Panoramic Dance Project and the NCSU Dance Company. Student work includes a collaborative project by the NCSU Dance Company and work by Independent Student Studies, Rebecca Anderson, John Miller, and Ashley Walls. Panoramic Dance Project will perform work by guest artists Chuck Davis and Ronnie West. NCSU Dance Company will perform two works by program director Robin Harris. The tickets will be $10 for the general public, $8 for faculty and staff, and $5 for NC State students with ID. The dance program's fall concert will be held at the Stewart Theater in Tally Student Center. Again, this concert will be held both Wednesday and Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. This Thursday, there will be the Native American Culture Night. This Office for Institutional Equality and Diversity Signature event grants the Wolfpack community the opportunity to learn more about Native American culture through interactive presentations surrounding Native food dance, music, and language. This event will be held Thursday, November 12th from 6 to 8, held in the Coastal Ballroom of the Tally Student Union. Another event celebrating Native American Heritage Month is a film showing of Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Witherspoon Cinema presents two showings of Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, a film documenting the forced assimilation of Native peoples during the mid-1800s. The cost of this film will be $2 for students with ID and $3 for the general community. This film will be shown Thursday at 7 p.m. and Friday at 9.30 p.m. And to conclude this week's community calendar, I will present the 4th Annual Miracle Run 5K. This will be occurring Saturday, November 14th from 8 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So the 4th Annual Miracle Run 5K is a fun run whose proceeds benefit the Dance Marathon at NC State. Dance Marathon at NC State University helps to raise funds for Duke Children's Hospital and Health Center. This event is a run or walk, so feel free to come out and participate either way. The important part of this is for the kids. This year's 5K run will be held at Centennial Campus. So if you heard anything that interested you and you would like to look into a little further, you could visit our Tumblr page, WKNC-EOT. And if you had an event that you would like to hear broadcasted over WKNC's radio station, you could email us a description to publicaffairs at WKNC.com. And with that, I conclude this week's community calendar. I am Peter Swazeni, wishing you all a great week ahead. Hello, WKNC listeners. So about an hour ago, we received a wolf alert. NC State Campus Police released a wolf alert today saying a female student reported to university police she was sexually assaulted at Watauga Hall during the early morning hours by a male student known to her. We just want to remind everybody to be an active bystander. Don't just stand by, do something and stand up. If you see someone in an uncomfortable or unsafe situation, please contact University Police. 
In an emergency, their number is 911. We would like to thank Peter Svizini, Jake Winters, Saif Hassan, and Nick Weaver, as well as Amel Malbuthuthi. As always, if you've heard anything you've liked, you've hated, or anything that made you think, let us know and tweet us at WKNC underscore EOT, where you can also check out more local news. Also, be able to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. And you can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Mirtha Donna